love Pam. I don't, when I was a kid, I mean, like in college or whatever, they just kind of spoke to me, you know? Like, I love their, like, weird lyrics and their weird kind of discordant sound. And somebody once described them as, like, beautiful sloppiness. And I always kind of love that. They are sort of, like, beautifully sloppy. So, I, I don't know, I just kind of, like, you know, hooked, you just really liked them a lot. You're listening to part one of a conversation between Michael Broom, longtime fan of Pavement, and Tamara Fedrisi, producer of every band ever, already in progress. So I know I have never brought this up before, but this is just something that I've been doing with producing the bands, um, like since you've known me in Chicago. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Like, I, and I got to say, it's a real honor to be with a person who's produced every band. That's amazing. Like, I'm really honored. Like, and how far back does that go? Like, what bands have you produced every band? Like, have you produced The Temptations, who I believe were before your time? No, I produced The Temptations. Oh, <laughs> That's, that's that's incredibly impressive. How did you do that? Because I know they were from like, they formed in like 1961. How are you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it, it totally makes sense. I just don't work in a linear way. Hmm, so I'm able to kind of work with everyone um, because I don't follow the normal rules of time and space. So that helps. You're an excellent producer. That's, that's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, that was some good early work. Yeah, and have you done like all types of music, like Jingle Dogs, those dogs that bark, roof, roof, roof? Have you worked with those before? Yes, yeah, yeah, yes. And you know what? They're rewarding. Dogs are rewarding. And you know what they get about music? They get Christmas. They do get Christmas. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> they love it. I think they know they're getting treats, and so they're motivated to sing. Mm-hmm. You know, fascinating. That's excellent. <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, and what, if I could ask you, like, I know you work with Payment, who I am a huge fan of, like, what made you sign them? I know their first album was Slanted and Enchanted. What did you hear from them that made you want to sign them? Oh, I think I, I don't really sign them like an agent, oh, but I right. will um, produce them mm-hmm. as in like help them get their sound or help them get their start, things like that. But I wanted to work with them because, um, you know, like Stephen Malkman started when he was 16 and um, just playing like doofy stuff. <laughs> and, um, You know, I think I just had a feeling that they would be like the quintessential indie rock band. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that kind of came to pass in the, in the, you know, they started in the nineties for like uh, a decade. And I I just kind of liked something about their shagginess and um, you know, like their first, well, which, which albums are your favorite? Uh, Bright in the Corners, Slanted Enchanted. Wow. I think they're all my favorite actually. I like them all. Okay. Um, so like, (laughs) you know, I think another thing that I liked about them was early on, um, I found out on their first like EPs, uh, that Stephen Malkmus was a, uh, art guard. Hmm. Um, and that he had done that for a while. And I found that really, um, charming that he kept people away from touching art and that that might be a good entryway for, um, you know, a singer and a band. So you saw that he's like a guard protecting the art and you go, that would make a good, a good singer. Yeah. I feel like they come from all pockets, you know, like I feel like, um, you know, janitors, people who order office supplies, um, you know, people who have like a, a blanket set up on like, you know, in the East village in the seventies mm-hmm. and like sell Q-tips or something. I feel like they're surprisingly good at singing and being right. in a band and staying in a band that's fascinating. You have a great eye and a great ear. That's, that's fantastic. Well, I know they like on their album, like on the song Range Life, they famously had a feud with Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins where they say like, they don't have no function. I don't understand what they mean. And I could really give a fuck. 
And so Billy Corgan and like uh, Stephen Malcolm, they had a little bit of feud. Did you ever try to like, uh, you know, rectify that? Did you ever try to like parent trap them and bring them together? Or? Yeah, you know, I mean, they're just two really different bands. Um, you know, Stephen Malcolm is coming from California. Uh, and Billy Corgan is coming from Chicago. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's sort of like having a vegan skate rat potluck. And then, you know, Billy Corgan is just... Uh, not goth, but, but he's just dark (laughs) and dark and gloomy, possibly windy from Chicago. And, um, you know, those two guys aren't going to see eye to eye on, on a lot of things. Um, but I'm trying to think of what I did. There's been a lot of, you know, you have to keep a lot of people apart from each other in different bands, but this one was, um, I think mostly I put fart spray, uh, in between them. And that worked out pretty well. Like you just do a couple and then, the, you know, you disorient them. They don't yeah. know um, who dealt it. So they yeah. don't, and they don't know if it was them, you yeah. know? So they're sort of like, they don't want to say anything, but in case it's them. Yeah, because it's embarrassing and they just don't want to, yeah. embarrassing. That's, right. true. That's actually a great plan. That's nice. Yeah, it turns out it's a lot more about manners than you would think. Hmm. It's not about punching so much as uh, embarrassment, shame, and manners. Yeah. And then you get them to back off. But do you have a favorite album? Like of all the albums you produce of them, do you have a favorite one? You know, I have favorite songs. I uh, I really like uh, Baby Come On. I like Carrot Rope. Yes. I like um, Gold. What is the gold one called? Gold Sounds. Uh, gold Sounds. I feel like those are all quintessential ones. Um, you know, the early ones sound like um, we had a thing called the Banshee Yell. So it was sort of when we needed him to do that at the early, the early side, the song that says, um, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. <laughs> that one was just purely, um, you know, we said release the Banshee. And then he would just, <laughs> you know, scream and yell. And um, we kind of fortune cookie, uh, you know, the, the lyrics kind of sounded like they had been pulled out of a fortune cookie in the very beginning. So we called that fortune cookieing it. So he would just scream and um, yell out, you know, like, just you'll have a great future. Yeah. Huh. Something like uh, enjoy the plants or something. So anything that was from like a cheap fortune cookie. Oh, that's and fantastic. then by the end, I feel like we got to a place that was more like Beckish uh-huh. and a little bit, a little bit more profound and, uh, but still kind of Based like the nineties. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. Cause a lot of the, oh, a lot of the lyrics I really like, like, and uh, they are a little obtuse or whatever, like, this is from the song Billy of Terry Trolley. Billy and my friend, the saint, you're perfect in so many ways, but you never looked hard at a fetus in a jar. You never saw your mama change. Like, what is that? I always wondered, like, what that meant there. Mm, that was pretty literal. Uh, you know, there was an odd friend at uh, Stephen's house, and he had about three fetuses in a jar. And, um, you know, that's not really done. That's not mm. a thing that people do much. Maybe it's not a way to decorate. It's not a way yeah. to, it's just not a way to be. Um, so I think it was his kind of coming to, um, accept that as, uh, uh, somebody's decor. That's what the fetus in a jar was about. And then Matador uh, asked them to change it. So they did. And they just went on tour. I actually just saw them in Brooklyn and, you know, a lot of them are in their fifties. I think some are even in their sixties. Like, uh, how does that, how do you work with them for that? I, I don't know that you just produce their albums, but do you work with them on tour? Like do you. Since they are a little bit older, do you like make them stretch or anything? Is there any routine you guys do to get them in shape? 
you know, what was so strange was that they wanted to do choreography for the first time ever. And I'm not sure, uh, you know, if they maybe just saw that that was popular now or, um, you know, I don't know. People change, but I was surprised to hear that. And I felt like, um, you know, they're more of a Wilco. They're more of a roll out the, you know, roll out the rug type of band. I call it like the middle-aged bands are sort of like a roll out the rug. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was surprised. Um, the other kinds of things we do are just, um, you know, self-esteem helpers, you know, mm-hmm. as in like, you get a lot of hits, great work. Don't forget about it. That's it. So they respond to positive motivation. Yeah. You know what they do? They, they like a lot of like, you know, smile on the inside, mm-hmm. which I, you know, I didn't see coming and it'll come, you know, they, they're a fan of Tyra Banks and oh, her uh, smize. They like yeah. to smile with their eyes. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's fantastic. I had no idea. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. How did you find they were at that show? What's that? How did you, um, um, yeah, how did you? They, they were great. I saw them on the, the fourth night and uh, it was really wonderful. They were fantastic. They had like this art uh, scene behind them with a bunch of like crazy images and everything, but it, it really worked with the music. And it was it was super great. It was a really fun night. And did you see them when they were first starting out? I saw them in Chicago at the Vic. I forget what year it was, but it was a pretty great show. And then I saw them again sometime in Brooklyn when they were doing the reunion tour. And I forget when that was too, but uh, they, they've they always been great. Yeah. At so, this time, we just kind of ice down their, um, their throats and their fingers, and then they're ready to go. And now I know in, uh, what year was it? I think, I think they did play Lollapalooza one year in like West Virginia in 1995. And uh, the crowd did not like them. And I believe like, Scott Canterbury like moved the he moved the audience and stuff like that, and that was a weird time. Uh, what happened there? Do you remember like? Yeah, I mean that checks out. I mean most rock crowds would love it if you mooned them, right? But West Virginia, <laughs> yeah, they're not gonna. They don't. They don't like. Uh, they're not a fan of butts. Mm-hmm. Um, in general, I think it makes them uncomfortable. But everybody else would love that. That's just the wrong. The wrong matchup, I think. That's true. I know, like, uh, did you produce Gigi Allen, who was a Chicago? Yes, I did. Did he, I believe he mooned the crowd, and, like, he did he poop on the crowd? I believe there was poop involved in some way. There was poop. Usually it was just on the stage, but, you know, like, everything hasn't been documented, and I didn't, I don't go see their shows sometimes when I'm, you know, because I'm off with other folks. So, Yeah. yeah, there was a lot of, you know, poop rock hasn't fully gotten recognized you know, there's yeah. no like record bar in America that has that as a section in there. Yeah. In their store. Yeah. So, it's a shame. Yeah. I mean, so poop rock is great. I think it's pretty fantastic. Yeah. It's for any age too. Yeah, it's true. And you spoke earlier of like, uh, when we mentioned the jingle dogs, you mentioned like people love the Christmas. Was there ever uh, a Christmas album? Did you guys ever think about putting on a Christmas album, pavement Christmas album? Oh, that would be really great. I love Christmas albums and I love producing them, but I had not ever thought of a favorite Christmas album. Um, I do think, I think that would sound like, I think you would need to keep the nineties elements of the disillusionment, yeah. the atonalness, yeah. the, um, you know, some... tone it down on the Jesus stuff, but maybe bring it up That's on true. the snowball stuff. That's true. Definitely snowball stuff would be great. Did you, uh, did you ever, I mean, you produce all these bands and, and so many great bands. Like, did you ever ask, did you ever write songs and ask them to record one of your own songs? 
if I do something like that, I will put it through to a band member first because uh, that's it's sort of tricky. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw the Metallica documentary about uh, it was somebody it was a therapist that came in to work with Metallica, and he actually did end up um, giving them lyrics. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it's sort of death after that. So, um, yeah, sometimes I will overwrite um, them, but um, unless I know them already and that I feel comfortable to do that, I usually um, hang back or I just refrigerator magnet it and then suggest something from the refrigerator magnets and say, <laughs> oh, look what happened here. Yeah, Wasn't like that? Isn't that fantastic? Yeah. Yeah. Or you could maybe, uh, the other way is to do it as, um, you know, say that you found a, uh, a ransom note and, you know, you can put those together with just different letters from newspapers and you can say, Oh, look what, what look happened what here. Get. And then, yeah, look what I caught. And then it's a, a song in there and just, Oh, it's, just, it's a song know. in there. And then you've actually also ransomed them. So you sort of have to figure out a way to get out of that. But besides that, sometimes that's it works. Yeah. That's fascinating. That's again, great producing. That's excellent producing. What are some of the other lyrics I really like from them is like, um, I saw your girlfriend and she was eating fingers like they were just another meal. So I always wondered, like, uh, she does that mean she's nervous or is there like cannibalism involved? Or I took that to mean that they she was just very hungry. Yeah. Just super hungry. Yeah. Is that the summer? Is that summer, babe? Or I that believe is so. I think that is summer, babe. Later. Summer, yeah. Um. So this is probably early in their career. They're kind of starving. Yeah, I had and a I, lot of friends that were very hungry. <laughs> right. And that was in the summertime. You know, you, you let us a lot of stuff go in the summertime that you won't in the winter. You know That's what right. I mean? Summer, yeah. Summer's all about relaxation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, plus it's going to be mittens in the winter. And so you can't do that. That's, uh, you That's just true. can't eat past a mitten. Yeah. That's why. Uh, excellent. I mean, you interesting. The summer babe and then a winter babe. It doesn't, mm-hmm. yeah, it makes sense why it's a summer babe. That's true. Right. A spring babe, you could get away with like maybe a finger and a toe if you're a cannibal. Well, a warm finger, sort of like with a, maybe like a s'more finger, you know, like over mm-hmm. a fire. Same with the fall finger. You have like the fingerless gloves. Still keeping the core of the hand warm, but your fingers are exposed. So she could eat those fingers, I suppose. Warm finger, fall finger would have been an amazing album name. That would they really missed the boat on that one. They did. Maybe, yeah, maybe there's still time. I mean, there is still time, I guess. You know, they're they're out on tour now. You yeah. saw them? Yeah. They look like they're hungry for material. So, yeah. I mean, maybe we should are they hungry for fingers? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. And fingers. So, yeah. Good. Do you remember your first uh, exposure to them and where you were? I think I was in college. And I think I heard, like, somebody had the... Uh, slanted an enchanted album and then i just heard that and i and like i said i was uh, i i was hooked like i i love the like the, again their beautiful sloppiness like it was just kind of weird sounding and like discordant noise and not because it's weird singing but yeah I, I, for some reason i really identified with them yeah they you know they only ended up making five albums out of all of that music yeah. um but a lot of it was just eps that they would just throw together i mean i guess now you'd put them on itunes and um, you know, just one at a time or something. But yeah, I, I just thought that we did more. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Slant and Enchanted is is one of my favorites. I think. Yeah, it's fantastic. I know. Now, in 1999, the band split up, 
And there was rumors of like a lot of infighting. Can you tell me about that time? Like what were they fighting about? Yeah, I think that was Terror Twilight was sort of like everybody was kind of at the end and you mm-hmm. can kind of, you know, you can hear them trying new things, um, <laughs> violins and things like that. Uh, yeah, I think they were just bored of each other at that point. Um, I think there was a fight about gummy bears that got really out of control. Really? And there was a slamming of doors and they were all in different places, it, you know, physically, uh, emotionally. Um, you know, they all, of course, wanted the red gummy bears. And if you didn't have all those, then you're really going to be, yeah, you know, a fighting. I know. That's a lot of fighting. Yeah. Uh, I think it's I, the yeah. And I think, uh, you know, indie music at that time was, um, I don't know what it is like to have created something and then you sort of live through that whole thing. And then you're like, what do you, where do you go from there? Like how much how much skateboarding can you do? How many haircuts can you have that are floppy in the front and short in the back? You know? <laughs> yeah. You've done it all. I know. Like You've done it all. Holy moly. That was good. For updates, go to every band ever on Instagram. Michael Broom is currently a senior producer, writer for The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. He has also been a consulting producer on At Home with Amy Sedaris and a writer for The Colbert Report. He is currently working on his four-book kid graphic novel series The Cryptid Club. Book number one Bigfoot Takes the Field is out now. Tamara Fedrisi is still standing, yeah, yeah, yeah. The editor is Will Velasquez. The audio engineer is Clark Jackson. Executive producers are Carl Adams and Tamara Federici. Thanks for listening. See you next week.